Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mudiwa um, Kavaza, and for today, we do get into quite an interesting um, conversation about um, what's going on in the world of mobility, and that is specifically um, around uh, what's going on with the different business models out there. Um, this is something that we've been uh, talking about uh, quite a bit, um, you know, on the platform form and that uh, you know basically has to do um, with the fact that we've been seeing some uh, shifts in uh, consumer behavior over the last couple of years um, we've spoken to the likes of uh, Barlow World we've spoken to the likes of APSA uh, vehicle financing just giving us insight into what's going on in the vehicle space the movement from you know the idea of having a new car the rising in demand of uh, you know secondhand vehicles you know through the pandemic now uh, which even saw the laws of supply and demand causing some, you know, astronomical prices to actually, you know, take place over in that secondhand market. Uh, but, you know, now there's also been, you know, the rise of, uh, you know, subscription car services. Um, a few weeks ago, we, we spoke to Flex Club Tinashe um, over on that side. Uh, but for today, we are also going to be talking to the team um, over at Planet 42. They've got a different take um, on the subscription car service model. Uh, so for today, we are going to be talking to, I hope I pronounced the name correctly, um, it's Eric Oya, who is the CEO and co-founder uh, of, uh, Planet, uh, of uh, Planet 42. And then we are also going to be talking to uh, Grant Wing, who is the COO or the Chief um, Operating Officer over at uh, Planet 42, just to get some insight um, into what's going on, you know, some of the trends that they are seeing um, over in the mobility space uh, but also at the same time you know just some of the things that they're seeing when it comes to um, you know uh, how you know things like wealth distribution also feed into uh, that whole discussion around car ownership and access to vehicles so it's going to be quite a fascinating discussion I'm going to start with, he said I can call him Eric, uh, you know, for the purposes of uh, this discussion. So I'm going to start off with Eric uh, just to get, uh, you know, it would be interesting to get your take around, you know, how you guys view uh, the subscription business model. You know, very keen to get both your takes. Eric, we'll start with you. Yeah. Uh, thanks for thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah so car subscription itself is, uh, it's a, it's a new, more flexible uh, form of having a car. Uh, it started in, in Europe, in the US, uh, where it is mainly uh, an alternative to this more traditional uh, vehicle finance or, or finance lease. Um, and, and the main main difference is, is the extra flexibility. So you're not usually locked in for five or, or six or seven years. You can uh, usually return the car. Um, and then in some cases, there's also options to, to buy out the car. In South Africa, a somewhat um, similar concept is is uh, rent to buy, uh, or just you know long term vehicle rental with 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 an option to to buy, although they have tended to be actually also not very 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 flexible. Um, the the difference in in, in our model, what what Plan Forty Two is uh, is doing, is mainly uh, two things. Uh, well, first of all, we are focusing on second hand cars. Um, our average car is is more than ten years old, and we are focusing on customers who are otherwise um, 
not able to access a car. So we are putting cars in the hands of people who are, in our view, unfairly ignored by banks and, and other, you know, these traditional uh, service providers. So uh, according to the uh, to the credit scores that we've seen from from our customers, uh, almost ninety percent of them would not have a car if we would not uh, provide a car uh, to them. So that's the that's the kind of the the, the big difference is that we're taking a completely new market. Uh, we're not in competition with banks. Um, we're not actually, uh, you mentioned uh, Flex Club. Uh, we're not in direct competition with, with them either. As Flex Club's model is, is basically offering uh, people who can get a bank to buy a car for them, but trying to convince them to, hey, you know, take this more flexible option. You can change cars. You can return them. Um, you know, it's, it's for, for many people, it actually is, it is a better option. And I've referred friends to uh, Flex Club uh, myself if if I believe that you know that's the, that's the kind of right thing thing for them. For us, uh, the focus are uh, customers who otherwise would not have a car. Um, so that that's that's our our market. That's the blue blue ocean that we're tackling. Um, Grant, your take on the you know on the cost subscription model, and especially because um, I know that as uh, you know as Planet Forty Two, one of the things that you guys talk about is uh, you know the use of uh, you know artificial intelligence. Um, so I guess your take on subscription models and how you guys are implementing um, artificial intelligence when it comes to actually you know putting down the business model um sure madiwe um that's that's quite a compound question that you've just asked <laughs> so 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 let me let me focus and at the 1000 mile overview um, of our business framing the short-term part and then the unfairly ignored by banks part and then we'll move on to the artificial intelligence part so south africa is still playing catch up with the rest of the world in terms of shorter dated car liability or car obligations by, by that I mean in London, in, in America, in all first world countries, the ability to take out a car on a shorter term obligation is, is very, very, um, very advanced. Like you can walk into any dealership, take out a car, like one or two year agreement, return the car afterwards. South Africa as a country or as a sector is still playing catch up with a lot of that in first world countries. However, that is being recognized now that, that it is a gap that needs to be fulfilled. Um, by way of example, BMW are offering shorter-term leases um, on their products, 12, 24, 36. And then I, I recall reading an article last week by the CEO of Westbank, um, Ghana CB, who also said that car subscription will be the future, i.e. he's also alluding to shorter-dated car commitments. So we definitely see shorter dated car commitments as the future to that end in our contracts we've made it so so easy that a customer can take out a car for as little as six months and if they don't like it pay uh, a return fee so if you look at the typical finance lease uh, that's five years and if i ask you Mudi, where where do you see yourself in five years time um, well, that's also my favorite interview question. Where do you see yourself in five years' time? Well, I don't actually know. So why would you take out a five-year commitment on a car? Right? So, so, so this is why we're saying just take out a shorter-term contract with Plan 42 because life is uncertain. That's fine. But uh, I'm sure you as a customer can plan yourself, plan your affairs six months at a time. So that, that's the aspect of shorter-term slash car subscription. 
The next aspect, um, customers unfairly ignored by banks. It's not the customer that's, that's bad. It's the system that's caused all the customers to be what we call blacklisted. But it, it can't be right that in a whole country, two-thirds of the population are, are blacklisted. That rather talks to a systemic breakdown of the system. So as Eric said earlier, 90% of our customers would not have a car if, if, um, if not for us. And now moving on to the third point about um, artificial intelligence. Well, at Tanner 42, we, we invest in a data-first approach. By way of example, the, the gentleman running our artificial intelligence, he was a nuclear physicist by profession, but then he said, well, it's not, this job is boring because I can't blow up enough bombs and, and refine my, my bomb-making tools. So let me rather turn my mathematical ability into credit scoring. So what that happens is every time a customer applies, it's run through our artificial intelligence algorithm. And then the, the algorithm says whether that is a good bet or a bad bet. And then at the end of the year, we can look back and say which were the bad bets, which were the good bets. We retrain our algorithm to only choose good bets. And by that way, we're iteratively and constantly improving our decision-making process through artificial intelligence. I just maybe just I want to add there. Like, so absolutely, uh, Grant, Grant there, just... Uh, sometimes the, the word artificial intelligence is just thrown around like too easily. So I just want to make it clear that, you know, true artificial uh, intelligence, that, you know, general artificial, uh, or, or, uh, general artificial intelligence does not exist yet. Um, so when we talk about, you know, artificial intelligence, you know, really most people are just talking about, uh, you know, is simple like decision trees. Um, so far, you know, our, um, the, the amount of data such as the, the, the algorithms that we've created, uh, we're now on the eighth version of our algorithm. Those are so far created based on um, classical regression analysis. It's a you know, pretty you know, standard uh, statistical tool. Now we have enough data that we can start uh, using the first kind of machine learning tools. Um, it's just, it's been taking us, you know, a couple of years to get, to get the data amount large enough so that machine learning would start making sense in the future we can move on to like you know neural nets and so on but that's not really like you know from the def it's not really the definition of uh, of artificial intelligence as well so just want to be careful not to kind of like throw around stuff like you know artificial intelligence and then there's like you know whatever crypto and web3 and uh, and then just like all the, these buzzwords you know uh, we're doing like the the, the execution of the thing we're doing here putting cars in the hands of people who are unfairly ignored by banks it's uh it's the execution is difficult so like there's a lot of puzzle pieces that we have to put together correctly but underlying like the tools that we use aren't actually that complicated um so so we're not we're not saying that you know we we're somehow uh, creating a, an artificial intelligence uh, tool from 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 scratch here like that's not even google has done that yet um, Eric, perhaps as a follow-up to, you know, what you're saying, we can drill down a little bit, um, around, uh, you know, what, what we're, what we're referring to, um, as the artificial intelligence, but more correctly, as you put it, um, the algorithms that you guys are developing or have developed, right? Um, so from that point of view, then when it comes to, 
I think Grant mentioned, uh, you know, the word blacklisted because it, it's, it means that, you know, the traditional systems um, have taken this person and have deemed them as being uncreditworthy um, or someone who's going to be a credit risk. So the algorithms that you guys are developing, right, like what, what type of data are they taking in um, that will help to, I guess, circumvent, um, you know, some of this, uh, you know, some of the traditional ways? What are the data points? Uh, because I can imagine that you guys are probably using a somewhat different data sets to some of the more traditional uh, risk assessment models. Yeah, uh, you, you're correct in that we are using additional data sources as well. Uh, but really, the 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 bulk of the information uh, or the data points that we get is through a credit bureau. So that's data that any any service provider has access to. Um, and that's used. I mentioned that we're using, um, you know, classical regression analysis to uh, to create algorithms. So basically, what we're doing is every time a customer applies, um, there's an automated query goes out to query bureaus and a couple of other data sources. So we literally get like thousands of data points about every customer any every time they apply. Um, and uh, for us, the important bit is to record this this information to 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 save it to store it um, and then you know a certain percentage of the customers end up being um, you know signing contracts getting cars and then we can look at you know in six months 12 months 18 months we can see how they've performed and now looking at thousands of these um, data points that we captured that, that's all in input data and looking at how uh, those data points or, or whether or if, if they influence at all how the customer actually pay, like what is the payment discipline? That's the output data. So in, in regression analysis, it gets a bit technical, but um, the, the payment discipline data in our portfolio, that's the, that's the uh, dependable um, and all the, in, uh, all the uh, data inputs, those are independent, independent variables. So we're looking at how the independent variables, if at all, influence the dependent variable. So the thousands of data points that we capture every time a customer applies, uh, those are uh, in the regression analysis independent uh, variables, and we're looking at how the uh, these independent variables affect the dependent variable, which is the payment discipline of uh, of our customers. So the difference is the data that nobody else has is this output data, this uh, um, dependent variable or payment discipline of the. Uh, nearly 10,000 people uh, in South Africa that we have bought cars for. So we can train our algorithms on a, on a target on this dependent variable that nobody, nobody else has. So that's, that's, the, um, that's, that's the difference. Um, so which means that even taking the same standard data that a bank has access to, we can make better decisions because we have that dependent variable that um, the um, this you know, output data that nobody else has. Okay, cool. Um, Grant, um, with everything that uh, that Eric has said about the type of um, you know data points that you guys are using, and it's um, a lot of it is uh, you know coming from um, the the credit bureaus, etc. Maybe you could talk to us about risk uh, because it's a point that you have raised that you know some of the people, uh, some a piece of the market that you guys are uh, trying to capture is people. Um, um, that are blacklisted. So how do you guys, I guess, um, think around the risk um, when it comes to credit and also at the same time, you know, how do you just mitigate, you know, said risk? You know, how are you guys thinking around those issues? Great, great question. 
Madiwa. So we have an alternate view on risk because of the data that, uh, that we are gathering. Fundamentally, it's not the customers that are bad. It's, it's the system that is, well, questionable, given the fact that 66% of the population is, is what we call blacklisted. So if, for example, you've missed one cell phone installment or through hard lockdown, you have missed one home loan installment, this does not make you a bad customer. So we take all those data points from the credit bureau and what we fundamentally do compared to a traditional bank is weight these data points differently so that we have an alternative view of risk. And um, as we know, the only way to make good decisions is to make bad decisions. We've made a ton of bad decisions first, but every bad decision was an opportunity to learn more about this um, segment of the market so that we can make better decisions in the future. By, by way of example, I mean, when we, when we first started, um, yeah, terrible decisions, absolute deep end of the market, quite a few contracts ended prematurely. But over time, the contract length got longer and longer because of better decision-making abilities, because we were able to, as Eric said, capture all the data at point of the decision and then retrain our algorithm to avoid those characteristics so that we could choose better and better customers um, going forward. But, but further to add to that, we've also taken an automation view first. So what I mean by that is traditionally a, a human will check bank statements and then make a view of um, if they think it's a good or a bad risk. Now the human, depending if it's, well, Monday morning or Friday afternoon might have a different view of risk because, well, Monday morning, they've just had, they've watched carte blanche, they're in a bad mood on Monday morning versus Friday, you're more bullish, you're walking into the weekend. <laughs> so, so what we've done is we've given all the decision-making to our algorithm first, and then we only pass the high probability events to our back office staff. And we are so efficient at this that... Um, Again, just a little stat that you might like. In January, we took 55,000 applications and we only have a back office staff of 10 people processing all of those applications. So we're, we're, we're data first in managing our risk, passing that on to the people just for verification. So, so to answer your question, we just take an alternate view of risk and a constant iterative learning ability. To, to Eric's point, we've learned eight times over the past um, three years. That's the number of times we've changed our scoring algorithm. You know, it's, it's a very interesting way to think about risk, and especially um, when one takes in the what you call this the the usual data sets, and then you know finds a, an alternative way uh, to think about it. So, in this last bit of the conversation, I want us to switch over to the practicalities because now we've sort of heard um, you know the thesis around uh, the business model. We understand you know some of the factors that you guys are taking into account, um, the shifts in uh, you know consumer behavior, the shifts in the economy. 
um, even and all of that. So I just want to, you know, take it into the practical realm. And uh, Grant, I'll start with you, you know, on the customer side. And then Eric, you can give us, um, you know, the insight on the on the supply side. So on the demand side, right? If someone says, okay, fine, I want to subscribe for a car. Can you walk us through what that is, you know, what that process is looking like um, on the demand side? And then Eric can give us what it looks like on the supply side. Actually, I'd rather push the question to to Eric for for the demand side because it was based on it was based on the demand that Eric decided to to quit his excellent job in in Estonia <laughs> and come here for for the demand, and then I can talk to the supply side. Okay, cool, Eric. You've been tasked. Well, thank you, co-host uh, Grant. Um, yeah, no, no, sure. Like so, I think I can like refer back to what what Grant said. Um, about you know two thirds of the population, adult population being blacklisted. So our view is that if if two thirds of the population is blacklisted, then it's not that you know two thirds of the population somehow are, are, are degenerates. It's that something is wrong with the definition of blacklisted. So that's really uh, why uh, my co-founder and I came to to South Africa uh, because we we see saw just so many people having. You know, stable incomes, but not getting served by uh, traditional companies like uh, like the banks. So that's what what we mean when I say that you know our customers unfairly uh, are, are unfairly ignored by uh, by banks. The demand side is absolutely uh, you know insane, uh, but there's no supply. So this is why we are the supply ourselves. We are buying these cars from the dealers uh, for the specific customers uh, ourselves. So these cars are on our, our balance sheets. Um, we buy them for debt. So we're actually raising about 10 times more debt than we are uh, raising equity funding. Uh, but to answer that question, for a customer to apply, it's very simple. You go to planet42.com, uh, you fill in five fields, uh, click submit, and then in 60 seconds, our algorithm will give you the first response. It will either be, um, yes, you're approved. Um, here are the parameters. You know, you can get a car up to 150 or 200,000 rand. This will be the monthly um, installment approximately. You know, go and look for a car um, from any dealer you want to, but here's a list of, you know, uh, about 700 car dealers that we've partnered with currently. Uh, and then the and, and then the customer will go and uh, pick up pick out the uh, the car that they want, uh, agree with with the dealership um, on on the pricing, sign the sign the contract, and then then we will buy that car from the dealership and then rent it out to our customer. And the whole process here, uh, Grant uh, stressed here this this automation side. Uh, the whole process onboarding of a customer is fully remote for Planet Forty Two. So we don't physically see the customer and we don't physically see the car. Yeah, no, it's very interesting from that point of view, and especially because you guys don't have line of sight of those, you know, two things. Speaking to the amount of automation that's uh, actually happening um, behind the scene. So, Grant, when it comes to, I guess, this interaction between the supply side and the demand side, one of the things about, uh, you know, the subscription car model that people talk about is uh, the flexibility part because you guys have sort of um, in, in, in some ways gone on and uh, taken on the, um, the buying risk from uh, the suppliers on behalf of um, the on on behalf of let's say the consumer, right? Um, what flexibility do they have when it in terms of 
you know how long they have to keep um you know the car for you know is the situation where um i can be driving a toyota yaris for six months and then i can drive a c-class for another six months then i can drive a range rover or do i have to keep my yaris for you know a, a predetermined uh, amount of time cool so um, just just coming to the supply side then i'll get into the, the contract length there's there's structural well supply is a function of of two items the dealers within our network and the cars that the dealers can get currently we have 700 um, signed up dealers within our network we estimate that there's approximately 3,000 dealers in South Africa that we could sign up. So, so you can still see the runway ahead of, of where it is that we are going with the product. The other, so, so that, that's, just a, that's just a function of you know, good marketing, good advertising, our sales guys convincing dealers to use our product um, as an alternative to, to bank financing. So the more dealers we, we sign up, the bigger our supply base gets. Additionally to that, um, the supply is also, well, just that, the supply of physical cars. And right now with um, the latest buzzword being chip shortage, chip shortage, chip shortage, that's also impacting the supply of good quality um, vehicles that our dealers could put our customers into. But we don't see um, the vehicle supply as being... uh, a major stumbling block right now. We just want to sign up every dealer in South Africa, and that will then give us access to more supply of um, good quality cars. Now, your your question about um, how long is the contract? Well, it's uh, a rental contract, so it is technically termless. However, there is an option to buy out the contract for a nominal amount at the end of a five-year period. However, we do not expect all of our customers to go five years Um, and as mentioned at the start of the interview where do you see yourself in five years time no nobody really knows but we're saying cool surely you as the customer can take a view of where you see yourself in six months time so take out the car with a six month view if your circumstances change um, after those six months pay a return fee and we'll take the car back or you know what, in month seven or month eight, you decide that you, you need another car to plan a 42, no problem. Come back to us and we can start the application process again. Um, and that's as simple as going to our website, planner42.com and applying. And it'll take only 59 seconds of your time the second time around also, which is probably the fastest application process in the market right now. Okay, cool. So, you know, that's the, you know, at least we've, uh, we've understood how it works, um, you know, on the, on the demand and the supply side and especially, um, you know, that interaction between the dealerships, um, you know, and the consumers and I guess the flexibility that comes, um, as opposed to the traditional way of coming in and financing a vehicle. So definitely understand that, uh, part. So in this last section, I just want to focus on the future, uh, Grant Star 
starting with you because you um, were the one who has been talking about where um, you guys want to be in the next five years. And for you, I'm going to, um, you know, talk about that five year timeline and just get a sense of whether you, whether you see this being a South African play, whether you think this is a model that could work um, in other emerging markets. Um, does it have, uh, you know, global appeal in both developed and developing markets? How are you guys thinking about that um, when you look into the future? Cool. Well, um, in terms of dealerships on our base, there's um, 700 um, signed up dealers. We want to sign up all 3,000 in South Africa. That then gives us access to be able to take on more cars onto our balance sheet. To answer your question directly, where do we where do we see ourselves going in the next five years? Well, I'd actually say three years because I can't plan five years um, ahead. We want to own one percent of the used car market in South Africa as as a minimum base. Now, what is one percent? That would mean that we have a fleet of one hundred thousand cars on our books that we have helped 100,000 South Africans who otherwise would have had to have walked to a taxi rank, um, possibly, you know, walked through, through the rain, um, carried their laptops um, through unsafe streets or paid exorbitant Uber fees or ride hailing fees. We want to help 100,000 South Africans within the next three to four years in South Africa as, as a base case preferably 200,000 in South Africa. Now, as, as far as the, the product goes, South Africa isn't the only country that has a conservative view to, to scoring risk. So I'd like Eric to, to chat about uh, where Planet 42 is going with respect to other countries. All right, cool. No, no, thanks so much, Grant. Uh, Eric, your take on, you know, that uh, future question, you get the last word, um, you know, on this conversation. And in that, um, you know, that issue about uh, expanding any plans for outside of South Africa, um, maybe you could also talk to us about, uh, you know, your funding journey so far, because um, I first heard of Planet 42 because um, NASPAS, you know, led a, it must have been a $5.8 million uh, funding round, you know, sometime last year. So, you know, just uh, take us uh, through those two pieces, um, you know, as we end off. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. Um, so as Grant explains, um, you know, in South Africa, we have this uh, medium term goal to get at least 100,000 cars. Um, South Africa is our what we consider our home market This is the first market uh, where we launched in. Uh, I live in South Africa uh, myself uh, since you know 2017. Um, but now South Africa is, uh, uh, thanks to the leadership of, of Grant, is in, in, a, in a position where it doesn't really need me anymore. Uh, we have more than 50 people now, uh, South Africans, uh, who are working on the South African business. So South, African, South Africans are running the South African business of uh, Planet 42. Uh, our next market is Mexico. So we have uh, bought about 30 cars there and they're out on the streets driving around right now. And as the first kind of like soft launch to, to learn about uh, that market, uh, initial results are good. Uh, and we want to uh, significantly now expand in, in, in Mexico uh, as well. And we've, we've also said that um, the next market that we tackle after Mexico will be uh, Brazil. So the so plan 42 is, is already in, uh, in Latin America and we're going to keep uh, expanding there. Um, on the African continent, um, 
South Africa is just just the, the, the biggest and most developed market. Uh, about a quarter of all passenger cars in on the African continent are in South Africa. So whatever else market we would take, uh, Nigeria or Kenya or or Egypt, uh, would be much 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 smaller than than South Africa. Uh, we don't want to go smaller. We want we want to go bigger. So you know the, the Mexican used car market is about six times the size of, of South Africa, and then Brazil is uh, twice larger than, than than Mexico is. So we're gonna go uh, after these these very very big markets. And then the funding journey. Yeah. Um, so so far we have raised uh, in rands about almost a, a billion rands. Um, most of that, so nearly ninety percent, is uh, is debt funding, um, and then nearly all of that cash, uh, all of that money that we've raised and invested in South Africa, uh, has been raised outside from South Africa, uh, with the exception now of, as you mentioned, Nespers uh, led our uh, previous uh, equity round. So now we have the first uh, South African uh, investor on board as well. Like literally, uh, we have uh, uh, the head of uh, Nespers Foundry. Uh, Fabian Waite is is uh, sitting on our supervisory uh, board. Um, yeah, we we keep fundraising almost constantly. Uh, again, most of the money that we raise is is, is debt, uh, but we're also raising uh, raising equity. So this is kind of like a you know a, a ongoing uh, process. So you know you can you can expect news every once in a while about uh, us raising another you know bunch of money basically. So that's been it. We're talking to the team over at uh, Planet 42, uh, giving us some insight into how they've, uh, you know, approached and are attacking the subscription car, uh, the subscription car market. Um, you know, they're, you know, they're saying that, uh, you know, their particular take um, is about going in and actually getting, um, you know, um, inventory of cars onto their own balance sheet. One of their goals is to get to a hundred thousand, um, hundred thousand cars, um, you know, on their balance sheet. Uh, you know, in the next three to four years as a minimum base case. Um, Grant saying that, you know, ideally, you know, that number should be looking more um, towards the 200,000 number. And, uh, you know, they're expanding, you know, to the likes of uh, Mexico. And they also want to get into uh, into Brazil because those are really huge markets, um, six times bigger than South Africa in the case of Mexico and likely 10 to 12 times bigger uh, than uh, South Africa in the case of uh, Brazil. And also just talking about the fact that, uh, you know, if they can conquer, um, you know, the South African market, it gives them a good foothold in, uh, you know, what's going on um, over um, on the African continent. And then you can take the business case, um, you know, from there. And they've actually been raising quite a bit of money. Um, he said they've raised close to a billion um, with the majority of that being debt funding uh, because of uh, their ambitions to get, you know, more and more cars um, onto their balance sheet. But they also have been raising a bit of equity um, with the NASPAS having, you know, come in as uh, the first South African investor. Grant, Eric, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Madiwe. Thanks, Madiwe. This is Madiwe's Take. Quite an interesting take uh, when it comes to the subscription car model and uh, it's been great that we were able to talk to someone like Tinashe um, over at uh, Flex Club and now talking to Grant and Eric over on the Planet 42 side to see the different takes um, that are out there and the fact that, you know, they're seeing each other not as, uh, you know, competitors, uh, but sort of more as compatriots um, in the same market. I think, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's quite an interesting 
one. And also at the same time, um, one of the things that I did find interesting is that when you look at Flex Club, for example, they at the moment are operating mainly in South Africa and Mexico. And when you hear about the Planet 42 roadmap, uh, they're in South Africa and their next market uh, that they're already testing in is Mexico. I found that interesting. But the fact that, uh, you know, it sounds like Planet 42 really wants to, you know, take on the uh, Latin American market, that South American market. Um, I think that's going to be f- something very interesting to watch, particularly um, when they go beyond Mexico and into, um, you know, a country like Brazil. I can also imagine that part of the rationale for getting into uh, South America um, is some of the expertise that's coming from the NASPERS side uh, because NASPERS and PROCESS have, you know, very big investments um, in Latin in Latin America. So there's probably, um, you know, a lot of, um, you know, knowledge, uh, knowledge trading and knowledge dispersion that's happening um, at the moment to give an idea of what's going on um, on the ground in those different economy so yeah it's going to be quite an interesting to watch and especially because uh, they do have the backing of an investor like naspers um you know not too sure about the rest of the investor base i'm sure they're also you know helping when it comes to this uh when it comes to this roadmap three to four years hundred thousand vehicles you know we wait to see how um they end up uh, you know making things happen And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcasts on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Murio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.